Today's reading comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You can be seated and please turn your attention to the screens. Well, welcome to Wednesday Night Worship and thank you so much for being here tonight. I'm very excited because we have a guest speaker with us and many of you may know this person. Uh, I've gotten to know Keith uh, since moving to Montgomery, but to introduce him, I thought I would let someone who knows him a little more than me say a few words about him. Good. Hey, thank you so much. And hey, this is going to be a great worship service. Keith Waldrop will be preaching. Years ago, uh, Keith and I got to talking and I invited him to come be a part of this staff. He was youth minister and he built one of the finest youth programs that you would find in any church anywhere and had a marvelous, great ministry. But he always wanted to be a pastor. And during that time, an opportunity arose for him. And I know we'll forget the day he told me that he was going to start a new church, a community church, non-denominational. And uh, we gave him our blessing and he went and started that and has had an effective ministry and uh, today he's doing a lot of consulting work with different places and he's really coming back here to Fraser to preach tonight. He is an excellent preacher and teacher and has had a profound influence on the lives of a lot of young people. So Chris, we welcome him to come to Fraser tonight to Amen. preach. Amen. Would you please welcome Keith. Wow, I didn't know my mentor was going to welcome me. <laughs> Somebody already told me, says, John Ed preached last weekend. You're following him. Don't choke. <laughs> I said, well, there's no problem. I followed him for 18 and a half years. I learned about everything I know from him. Many times when I watch my hands and mannerisms, matter of fact, it was 45 years ago that I knelt right here and had given my life to Christ a few nights before at Troy University and I was baptized right here. And the craziest thing happened, I, I went out and bought a new sport coat on Saturday. I came to Jesus on Thursday, I got a sport coat on Saturday, I came in here and I was baptized and I looked up here and had a big choir. And man, they were smiling and laughing. I said, I am joining the happiest group, this is awesome. I didn't know they were laughing at me. <laughs> and I, I got up and somebody said, I forgot to take my tags off my coat. <laughs> I didn't wear a coat tonight, you know what I'm saying? 
Hallelujah. Man, this music, can you just put your hands together? Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I think I'm going to come back. Man, this is fun. It's been 27 years since I've been home. I've come back and I've done a lot of weddings and a lot of funerals. Don and I had the joy of serving you and thousands of teenagers. I got the credit, but Bobby Cooper led the youth ministry. Can you just thank God for Bobby and Dan Cooper? My friends used to call me and go, I don't want to talk to you. I want to talk to Bobby. Thanks. I know who ranks me. Well, tonight, I, I got to get with it because they tell me I only had 75 minutes. And uh, so we got to... No, I, if y'all remember anything, I talk real fast. So y'all hang on. Here we go. Ready? Uh, your pastor, I've gotten to know him and I love him. And uh, he's, a, he's a great guy. But he told me, he says, Pastor, I want you to do the sheep. I want you to do the coin. I want you to leave the son alone. What are you talking about? He goes, because if you do that, I won't have anything to preach next week. So I'll do my best. <laughs> hey, let's give me this first slide here. I got, I got to get orientated. Here it is, a Coast Guard helicopter coming in doing a rescue search, you know, lost in search here. They're, they're, they're looking for people down in the ocean. You've probably seen those on the news or maybe you know if somebody has gone through that. There's something about searching and lost things. I want to ask you a question tonight. Have you lost anything lately? Don't say it out loud yet. Have you ever lost a contact lens and you got down on the floor and you're scrubbing around trying to get it because you can't see? Have you ever lost, uh, the thing I lose a lot, your car keys? What do you do when you lose your car keys? You, yeah, we know you lose your mind too. Yeah, you lose everything. You just, you lose stuff. And what happens when you lose stuff? Well, a lot of times if you're married, you go ask your wife or your husband to help you find it. And if not, you, you diligently search for that. Well, tonight is God is for the lost. That's what I love about my Jesus. See, I was lost as the proverbial Easter egg. You ever heard that before? And Christ redeemed me out of that pit and gave me hope, eternal life in Christ. And for the last 45 and a half years, I've been telling everything that would breathe about Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Because Jesus is the famous one here tonight. Jesus is the renowned one of heaven. Can we just give him a big hand? He's a great guy. And tonight, Kelly, thank you. I, I need you to come to my church and read the scripture. You do a good job with that. You ought to be grateful for that. I, I can't even hardly put two sentences together sometimes. Here we go. So we search and we, we get on this lost thing and we're always wondering about, God, can you just help us? But you know, in Luke 15, it, do you have a copy of the scriptures? Turn in your Bibles. You know, used to I say that in this room in an old sanctuary and everybody flipped the Bibles. Now everybody's flipping their phones and tablets. And I know if it gets a little slow tonight, just bear with me, okay? Hang on. So who is in this parable here? What's he talking about? He's talking about lost stuff. And I'm reminded of that great passage from the Apostle Paul over in Romans 5, 8. And you've probably heard this, but I want to speak this with authority because this is literally the hope of the gospel. But God shows his love for us in this. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Is that not enough hope tonight? That is the hope 
of heaven. That's the hope that we're all longing for is to go. You know, we've rebranded our church a couple years ago. and We call ourselves the table because I love the table. The table is one of the richest metaphors in all the scripture. For you see, I know if we're redeemed, if we're born again, if we have Christ in our life, one day we're going to sit down at the Lamb's banquet table and we're going to sit with all the tribes and all the languages and all the people and all the people thought they had it right and we thought we had it right but we're going to agree on the shed blood of Jesus Christ his death and resurrection and we're going to live forever does anybody want to get on that bus and go with me that's what I've been trying to do is get people on the bus ever since you know Bobby I'll tell you we used to book trailway buses out here all the time and we take your teenagers and we brought most of them home no Donna we brought them all home didn't we but if I got to be honest tonight in the Lord's house, there was a couple I thought about leaving, but I didn't. <laughs> True story. I'll tell you this real quick. You know, back in those days, uh, the kids were on a lot of medication. And they would come up to Donna right before we get on the bus. And they go, Donna, here, here, here's the drugs for my kids for the week. Like, what well, are we, a dispensary? But sometimes mamas would tell me this. And this used to, I go, oh, no. They go, it's summer. We're going on vacation. We're sending our kids with you. And they're going to be off Ritalin for all summer. And it starts this week. <laughs> Let me tell you something. Some of y'all made smart aleck comments when I came in. What happened to your hair? Your kids. <laughs> Let me tell you, you take a bunch of 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kids on a trip and they don't sleep and they eat poorly and they don't take their Ritalin. It creates chaos in Jesus name. <laughs> John Ed was wondering, when I came in, I said, John Ed, I've been here 18 and a half years. I've been the youth pastor 14. I love it. It's awesome. He goes, but you're going to stay another 10. I said, there ain't no way, brother. I'm gone. It wasn't because I didn't love the kids here. That was one of the hardest decisions we ever made. But I knew God had called me to preach and I had to do that. So let's keep going here. So we look at this. We see in this story, because Kelly's read it to us, but Jesus is hanging out here with a bunch of people. And, and, and who are the people here? I, I, I like how he just addresses it real quick. Who are these people? They're a bunch of sinners. They're a bunch of tax collectors. They're a bunch of people that nobody else really wants to be around these people. You know, they're like, man, no, I, I don't, I don't want to be like them. Well, you see, here's the thing. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. Jesus came for the sick. Jesus came for the unhealthy. Jesus came for the people that needed redemption. Jesus came for us, church. We need Christ. Somebody, one great theologian said one time, we need to preach the gospel, but we need to preach the gospel every single day to ourselves to remind ourselves of how in need we are of a Savior. I need Christ, and so do you. And I pray that your journey is rich, that you're growing your faith, because you see, there's just something attractive about Jesus. I remember when he called me in that college dorm room. It seems like yesterday, and now decades have passed. And I go, God, you're so good. You, I was so rebellious. I was so against you. And then I, then I met, and I meet a lot of good people. And sometimes I meet good people. And if you get to heaven on morality and, and, and good works and good things, I've met some of them. But I got to tell you, the, the Word of God says that our righteousness is as filthy rags unto the Lord. We need the blood of Christ to cover us. We need His righteousness. I want to, give me this slide here. I keep looking around because it's a little disoriented. But I want you to look at this. Hey, can y'all read it? I'm not going to make you stand. You're saying I already like you a lot. Okay. Read it with me. The starting point for Jesus is what? Grace. 
searching, not blaming, finding, not punishing, rejoicing, not condemning. Doesn't that sound like our Savior? Now, Jesus is all about law. He's all about justice. Grace costs Jesus everything. But I'm telling you, folks, I'm ready for the church to be the redemptive instrument of God, that we share the redemptive love and the grace of Christ that are all that are far from the cross, that they might come near and have their sins forgiven in the Savior and walk with Christ the days of their life. Y'all look around the group tonight and some of y'all got a little younger since last time I was here. Some have transitioned on home to glory. I've come back and I've done a number of those funerals. You know, I used to, next to John Ed, I did more weddings here than anybody for a long time. And now, I don't do so many weddings. Everybody calls me to come do their funeral. Yeah. But you know what? It gives me great joy when they're in Christ. And Christ was their living hope. And they trusted him. They walked with him. And they had a testimony. And they'd been found. They were lost. And this, so this scripture here in, in Luke 15, it says, hey, he, he hangs around sinners. He, he, he does that. But what does, he, what does he immediately do? Jesus goes after the lost. See, the issue for Jesus is recovering and reclaiming the lost. See, there were a hundred there were 99 there in the fold and the one left. A lot of times we'd go, well, we got 99. I felt that way on that bus trip with those kids many times. I got 99 on here. Bobby, we took off 250. Would it be okay if I brought 248 home? No. You need to go find them. Although there was one. I, 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 I can't say that out loud. No, no, no. We brought them all home. But you know what? We brought them all back home. Praise God. But you know what, Jesus, if we get lost from the fold, guess who comes looking for us? Jesus. He loves to reclaim people. He loves to redeem people. He loves to draw people that are far from his heart. Tonight, I got a question. I've been studying and reading this. I've been so excited about this sermon. I could preach for two hours, but I won't. Because I'm having a homecoming here, getting to be with my friends. And I, I've just been chewing with this text and thinking about the goodness. And, and I didn't ask Jared, but I just think he's Holy Spirit anointed and gifted. As he, I, I love his heart, him and Jordan. And as he just led about how good God was. Yeah, you can go ahead and give him a hand clap. Amen. I'd rather you affirm people when they're living and wait till they die. They, they won't enjoy it. Okay, here we go. All right. So the issue for Jesus here, he, he wants to redeem. He, he goes out and, and he searches for this. And he says, hey, you need to go after this one. See, because the shepherd notices that somebody's missing. I want to ask you a practical question. Is there somebody missing from your Sunday school class? Is there somebody missing from the church? You don't know what they're going through. They're hurting. They're broken. Life's going, it, it, it's, it's health, it's, it's a bad relationship. I, it could be any myriad of issues, but we need, we need to try to reclaim and we need to go searching for the lost to get them back into the fold. That's the mission of Jesus. He, he always notices when we miss the mark and, and he, he knows when we're lost. And I love how he comes after us and he, and he shows us our need for him. I remember when I was at the end of my rope and I, I didn't have any hope and, and Christ came knocking for me. And it was a redemption story, and it was a transformation story. And this church, I owe so much to. 
I cut my teeth in ministry here. I made a lot of mistakes here. I got my education through this church. Oh, no, 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 no. I, am gr- I love this church. I have. I've prayed for this church for the last 45 and a half years, and I'll do it till I draw my last breath. This is God's church. This is the church of the redeemed. It's the church that the lost are being found. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I was here in the glory years, they called it, when we had about nine zillion people, they called us Fraser World. Everywhere I go, you go, you're Fraser World, like whatever, you know. But we got a place for you. But you know what? Today, across America, as I study churches, as I consult and talk to different people, I'm not seeing the conversions. It's down, down, down. The lost aren't being redeemed. The lost aren't being found. We're transferring a lot of membership across lines. I tell you, tonight, ask God to burden you for the lost and to begin to pray and cultivate relationships that they might come to the feet and walk with Jesus. And today, you know what happened today? I got a call this morning. My spiritual mentor, 80 years old, he called me this morning. Keith, how you doing? Calls me boy. I love when he calls me boy. (laughs) So they don't call me boy too much anymore. He goes, how you doing? I love you. Me and Kay pray for you every day. Andy Harris. He said, I won't be there tonight. I haven't been there in two years, but he's teaching Zoom internationally and locally. And he's, he, he's touching more people for Jesus now in his house than he ever touched when he was here. It's unbelievable. He says, but I'm praying for that service tonight. It's about discipleship. It's about, I, I want to give you this. I, 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 we were reading this scripture and I, and I looked down here, so they go after it. But it says, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and they return to God. And so I wrote down a thought from C.S. Lewis. And see it, write this down. If you don't write anything else down, this is a great quote. Maybe you've heard it, maybe not. You need to hear it again. Joy is the serious business of heaven. They are joyful tonight in glory. And they celebrate and the angels rejoice when one turns from their sin and they turn to the blessed Savior. Don't we rejoice as the church of the living Christ when people get found? Amen? That's the hope. We need to celebrate that more church. We need to pray for that, that that would happen in churches all across our city, all across the region, all across the world, that more would come. But then there's, so there's this, in this section of Luke, there are three rapid succession parables. There's the sheep. There's the coin. Shh, y'all don't tell anybody. There's the son. But don't tell Chris I mentioned it, okay? He's going to preach on it next week. Kelly, I'm going to honor him, okay? As hard as it is, he gives me the sheep in the corn. I wanted the sun. Okay, yeah, here we go. Here it is. But God seeks out the lost who've rebelled against him. And he didn't put that burden on somebody else. Christ took on our sin as he made perpetuation and atonement for us at great sacrifice. Amazing. Astounding. Love of Jesus. So, look at this next one here. The parable of the lost coin. Verse 8. Suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Some of you think, big deal. <laughs> Won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. I did some research on this. I want to know about this silver coin. I want to know the value of it. I want to know how important it was. And here's what I learned. The silver coin 
It was worth. I'm not going to tell you. Come back next week. I'll let Chris tell you. Now, you know what the coin was worth? 16 cents. When I was a kid, we used to go collect Coca-Cola bottles when we didn't have any money and we'd get a nickel a bottle. Raise your hand if you remember getting a nickel for a Coca-Cola bottle. You know, some of you go, I got a penny. Well, you're just old, okay? <laughs> but for me, a nickel, a nickel was a big deal. But 16 cents and the total value of wealth was a dollar and 60 cents. But it contributed to her her dowry, and when she got married, she would present this, and so this was a great value. So when she lost it, the scripture says they had these straw covering. She got down, and she swept, and she moved, and she searched diligently for the lost coin, and Jesus wanted to know this was a big deal. It was lost. She was unaware, and then all of a sudden, it's missing off the necklace, and she searches for the coin. Wow. And Jesus tells this parable because he wants us to know how valuable souls are to him. He'll leave everything. He tells us to leave the 99 to go find the one. Thank you, Jesus, that was that valuable to you. The lost coin. And I read that story and I think about it and I reflect uh, what it symbolizes. And then I got mad. So why'd you get mad? Well, you see, Donna, God, and God blessed me and Donna with two incredible daughters that we love immensely. And they are awesome. And then we got grandchildren, and they're almost perfect. <laughs> incredible. But there's this little thing they changed from the Eastern culture that I don't like, and I want to just confess it, and I want to share it with y'all tonight. Because I had to work hard and save a lot of money. Matter of fact, every man in here that's got a daughter, I want you to stand up. Every man that's got a daughter, I want you to stand up in this room. Had a daughter, got a, all of you stand up. Okay. Y'all tell Chris, we're starting a Wednesday night tribe next week. Everybody needs to repent toward us, okay? This is why. We have to pay a lot of money when our daughters get married. They reversed the culture several hundred years ago. Y'all can be seated. You can go home and gripe about it. But she had this to present. I got to tell you, it costs you a lot of money to give your daughter away. And you, you, you give them away. She comes, when, when our oldest, the first one got married, I did a big wedding over First Methodist where I got ordained. And, and Rachel said, Dad, that's why I want to get married. I said, that's okay. So I walk her down the aisle. I'm a blubbering idiot. I'm crying all the way down the thing. I cried Hallmark commercials. I cried anything. You know, I'm crying. Can I know? But I got to perform the ceremony. So I walk around here. And I got to tell you, I'm in this big church. And, and I served at Frazier. So I thought they could do it right over there. Okay, I'm just going gonna, gonna to call them out. They had the janitor turn the sound system on and left the campus. Story gets worse. I'm walking down the aisle. I give my daughter away. I'm, I meet the pastor of the church and I'm going to come back around and do the service. I walk over here and I got to robe up and be dignified. So I'm robing up, okay? I'm all robed up in there and I'm standing in the, I'm in the closet and I'm so nervous, my pump, I can't get my zipper up. And all I know was I said, help me Jesus. And I walked out all dignified, man. You'd love it. I'm, I'm strutting out there to do the service and everybody's dying laughing. I thought I ain't even told a joke yet. Why is somebody laughing? They heard it. Yeah. You got, you got to watch that stuff. You know what I'm saying? But this daughter, I, I'm, st I'm still recalling from this thing about us women having to, you know, men having to pay. I mean, you know. 
I'm not bitter though. I just, I just wanted you to know. Okay. The Lord intended to hit us in these parables. He gives them to us because he's trying to teach us a lesson. He's trying to make impact on the heart. Tonight I pray that the lost sheep and that the lost coin will make you reflect on maybe being lost. See, when I speak to a crowd this big, there could be somebody here lost tonight. They come to church and they come to a great church and they hear great music and they hear great preaching and they have great things to get involved in, but maybe they've never been born again. Maybe they've not realized their lostness and Jesus is here tonight searching for you. He searches diligently for the lost. That was the great thing about doing student ministry here in the 80s and 90s. I I wished I knew how many hundreds came to faith in Jesus Christ. There are pastors and missionaries all over the globe that came through here. Praise be the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. This has been a fertile ground and it'll continue to be a fertile ground. Y'all are in great hands. You've got great leadership. So the woman sweeps the house. And I understand, Lord, there's responsibility here. She's serious about it. And I read this quote by Joe Stoll. He says, people like to do good things. And, and we want to do good things. And we want to look good. And we want to go to church. And we want to do all these things. And those are right. And we don't want to quit doing the right things. But at the end of the day, we got to have Christ. we got to have a relationship with Jesus. we got to trust in him and him alone for our salvation. Without him, we need the grace of God. We need the merited, unleashed favor of the Father on us in Christ. That is the book of Philippians. The whole theme of Philippians is in Christ. Here's my thought tonight. Are you in Christ? You just make sure. I don't care about anything else. Just make sure you're in the Lamb's book. Make sure you're in Christ. Amen. Amen. That's all that matters. You're saying, man, you were like that when you were running around. Some of you are so glad, like, I'm so glad you left. You got too much spit and too much enthusiasm. I'm a little older, but I still, I still want to be infectious for my Savior. See, in, in this story, you know what I see the rejoicing? Write it down. Gospel gratitude. That's what I see. We need to be grateful for the gospel of grace, the theology of grace, that Christ calls us to himself. He calls us to his table. He calls us to have a relationship. He, 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 he calls us to value lost people. A guy one time said this, and I've never forgotten. He says, you and I have never locked eyes with a human being that Jesus Christ didn't die for That he loved them so much that he died for their soul. How dare us look down and judge another one. May we exchange judgment tonight for the mercy of Jesus. May we exchange death tonight for resurrection. Here's one of my favorites. May we exchange rejection tonight for acceptance in the beloved. He's a beloved Savior. Have you talked to him today? Have you told him how much you love him and you want to fellowship with him and you want to walk with him, you want to follow his ways, you want his life to be your life? Are you a person of hope and joy? And I know so many of you, and I know so many of you are. I mean, I, I just, it's very humbling just to, to be in this room with the people of God. So I read this story, I read through it, and I could talk about it for an hour, and I'm not. But I just go, 
He's eating with sinners. He's hanging around people that they didn't really want him to be with. <laughs> That's like Jesus. Jesus, would, when I was here at Frazier, I remember we started a ministry. And one day I thought, you know, who would be the people that nobody wanted to hang around? And uh, it came to me that um, we have a thing in our city that comes every year. The fair workers, the fair comes to town and the carnival workers. And I thought, you know what? We should show, we should throw a banquet for them. And somehow I convinced some people to get behind the dream and fund the dream. And we got all the youth out there and we gave away leather bibles and we gave them steak dinners and we had fine china. And the first night we got out there, Bobby still probably remembers this. We were out there and nobody was there but the Fraser Youth Group and the volunteers. Not one fair worker showed up. And I'm going, I'm probably getting fired Monday morning. This was a bust. You know what it was? They didn't trust us. Nobody ever cared about them. And somehow we started walking down through the midway just saying, would you just come? We got a steak dinner. No gimmicks. Not going to sell you any Amway. Nothing. We just want you to come. And like one came, then two. Next thing I know, steaks are flying off the grill. People are sitting down and we're loving on them. It was awesome. And we shared the gospel. And I thought, well, okay. The next year, we did it again. Third or fourth year, the president of this particular group calls me. Bobby says, see, this is one call she let through to me, you know. She goes, this guy wants to talk to you. I was like, he's probably going to sue me or something. He goes, he, he goes, I want you to know, that church in Montgomery, Alabama, I've never seen anything like it. Those teenagers and those adults. He says, there was an impact for our people and they felt loved. They didn't feel judged. And he says, I want to know. He says, we had a guy and he died in another city about a month ago. And we want to know if you'll do a memorial service for Fuzzy. And I remember going out there and doing a memorial service for Fuzzy. See, Jesus has always been about lost people far from the cross. And you're saying, well, okay, well, he was a, he was a fair worker. He needed Jesus. <laughs> I don't care if you're the top stockbroker, the top real estate, the top doctor. I don't care. I don't care if, if you're the top retired person in here. Who would that be? <laughs> you need Jesus. <laughs> It's all you need. And you got Christ. I remember Mike Cohen coming to me one day. Now he called me boy too and he could do it because he used to play pro football. He came up and grabbed me one day and said, boy. I said, yes, sir. He said, I want to tell you something. I want you to ever forget it. He says, Jesus is all you need. And until he's all you got, then you won't realize it. But he's all you need, son. And I said, yes, sir. And I walked off. And he was so right. Those, those words still ringing me from him. Jesus is enough. I just looked out there tonight and I saw a young man. I met him at Huntington College in night. Help me, Mark. Was it 1984? 83? 83? I'm pretty close, ain't I? There was, there was this young kid. Met him on Huntington Camp. I met 50, 50 of his friends. He wasn't doctor then. I didn't call him Dr. Mark Kingery. He says, hey, Mark. Man, that was a joyful day. Wow. I love you, church. 
I could preach and tell stories and I could go through this gospel and we could just keep walking through this narrative. I, I love these gospel narratives. I love this story of the lost sheep and the lost coin. Just, uh, hey, I, I don't think I got all my slides either, did I? Did I I, I kind of got off script there, buddy. I think, I think the guy left the tech room. Uh, oh, he's back there. Hallelujah. There he goes. Hey, I, I thank you for putting that up there. Our God is the God of the lost and the God who celebrates when the lost are found. Frazier, I hope you get to celebrate the lost a lot around here. I hope they come and they eat dinner with you. Well, you don't do dinner now, do you? Well, I hope they come do Bible study with you. I hope they come do life with you. I hope they come hang out with you. I hope they befriend you, connect with you. But keep pointing them to Jesus. Give me the next slide. I think I got one more, hadn't I? Is that pretty much it? Man, I'm, I'm so excited. I just lost my script. Well, I'm, I'm going to Zephaniah now. You ready? No, I actually got something I want to I do with you. Because our God celebrates us tonight. He celebrates us every day. I love this passage. I remember the first time I found it probably 40 years ago. I continue to read it and I find hope. And it's Zephaniah 317. I bet Jared has read it over you. I'm going to read it over you tonight. The Lord your God in your midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. And he will rejoice over you with singing. That is my God. Is he your God? He sings over you, church. He is for you. And when you lose your way, he will come looking for you. Stay connected to Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for holy moments and holy worship in this place. Thank you for your presence tonight, Lord, that it's more than enough. And Lord, maybe tonight somebody has wandered. They've got on a different path. And Lord, I pray that maybe tonight they'd realize, hey, I'm lost or maybe I've lost my way. Just cry out to Jesus in your distress. Jesus, can I come home? Jesus, redeem me. Jesus, save me. Come. I offer my broken life to you, and he'll meet you right there, friend. He's that kind of God. He's a gracious father. Thank you, Jesus, for your love. In the name of Christ.